Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Sadarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, possibly soon on TikTok. We have to uh, talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we are the most groundbreaking manga in the business. Groundbreaking manga podcast in the business, I should there say. So we are gathered here today to discuss Yona of the Dawn, Volume 1, written and drawn by Mizuho Kusanagi and translated by Elizabeth Reinhardt McFarlane and JN Productions, lettered by Liz Blakely, who also did Monthly Girls Ozaki-kun, which we discussed last week. Hmm. Edited by Amy Yu, published by Viz Media. This is slightly conflict of interest for me, but I think it's pretty good, <laughs> so we can probably get through it. <laughs> so this is a shoujo manga, and what that means is that it runs in a magazine that is generally aimed at young girls. Uh, this runs in Hakusensha's magazine, Hana Toyume, which I think is Flower and Plum? Flowers and hmm. Dreams. Flowers and Dreams. Wow, even better. <laughs> and... It's the story of a young woman named Yona. She's a princess of the fictional nation of Koka, which is sort of a pan-Asian conglomeration of several different cultures. She has a great life. Her father is like one of those like roly-poly kind of kings, very uh, chubby and friendly. And then her cousin, who she's in love with, which I forgot about when I recommended this, comes in, is like, hey, I'm going to kill your dad and take over your kingdom and you don't get to say anything about it. So she goes on the run, and the thrust of the series is her first trying to, you know, get to safety and then getting her kingdom back. Mm. First volume is just sort of sets everything up, and you only meet a few cast members, but the cast actually eventually grows as she builds an army and kind of gets what she needs to take her cr take her crown back, I, I guess. So this was actually, speaking of conflict of interest, recommended to me by Laura Dooley, who works at Viz. She had like a very passionate pitch for it. And I don't read much shoujo. I'm very much like a seinen, you know, battle manga kind of guy. But I do like things like, you know, Boys Over Flowers. I like a lot of Jose. So I gave it a try. And I was really pleasantly surprised at it. You know, it's just pretty much a straight up, really solid adventure comic. And... One thing I'm going to try to be careful of in this podcast is that since I don't read much shoujo, I don't know a lot about shoujo, so I'll try to avoid generalizing. But I have a lot of questions about several things in this book that hopefully Deb and Chris can uh, <laughs> elaborate on for me. <laughs> but I like it. It's a good adventure. It's a good setup for a story. There's some really nice emotional parts, some really interesting drawings. And it's very different from what I'm used to. But there are moments that reminded me of things like Rumiko Takahashi or straight up battle manga. But we'll get to all that. Let's start with Chris. <laughs> what did you think of Yona of the Dawn? What did I think of Yona of the Dawn? I I haven't listened to the Naruto episode since we recorded it, which is our last like pure ex example of genre manga. I think that we've we've talked about on here. Like it is a pure shonen manga. This feels very much to me like a very pure shoujo manga in like a very straightforward, very by the book not by the numbers but by the book definitely mm -hmm. shoujo adventure manga shoujo is kind of a problematic category descriptor because it just means for girls <laughs> and it's yeah. just like uh there's lots of different genres within shoujo as a genre but this it feels like shoujo to me it feels like a lot of other it, feel, it feels like it has a lot of other elements to it that feel like shoujo that i've read that said, I think, I think it's really, 
I don't know. This is going to sound like the most damning with faint praise. And I, <laughs> I feel like making me go first is maybe going to be a problem, but it feels very competent. It feels like a very competent work. And I wasn't, Oh, I will say that when I got to the end of the first volume, I was like, really? So I read the second <laughs> volume and the third volume and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I think, my biggest criticism of the series is that the first volume is a mess from an editorial plotting point of view. Mm. But that's like, I mean, that ship has sailed. This is a manga from like 2014, 2010. released in English in 2016, or 2010, oh. released <laughs> wow. in English in 2016 because it was getting an anime. Like, complaining about plot problems, like you could do anything about it from an editorial point of view. Like, it, the fact that they have to go back and like recapitulate a bunch of stuff in the second volume that they needed to have told you in the first volume i think is is kind of telling but the third volume when it actually comes together they meet the first of like the legendary warriors the dragon warriors i think is which is a concept by the way that is not introduced in the first volume or maybe two <laughs> the whole series is about it long story short i think it was an artist trying to make a very commercial work and she succeeded but i think you really find the first couple volumes she's feeling around trying to put this story together and so i think it's yet another in our long string of books where the first volume is not the best introduction <laughs> to what the story eventually becomes the amount of feedback we've gotten on full metal alchemist uh going yeah you're all everything you said about volume one is right but please keep reading like and it's like <laughs> nah like there's there's like ten thousand monk that are in print right now. Maybe maybe more. Like uh, like sure. I'm glad you I'm glad you like it. But uh, there's other stuff out there. So yeah, I I if I didn't have volumes two and volume three already on my iPad, I wouldn't have bothered with it. I would have just I would come into this a lot more negative. Uh, even coming in, in hot, coming in hot. But <laughs> instead, it's like no. Nah, I get at the end of the third volume. This is a super solid series. I see how it goes for another 12 volumes because I think it's 15 total and it's just catnip. There's so every character that's introduced is another kind of exceptionally cute boy. Like <laughs> I get it. I get this book. So yeah, my overall take on it is like, I worry, I worry that anyone takes our advice and it goes and reads this. If, if we end up in a positive space on it is going to have a real hard time with the first volume. And I think that that's, you know, that's too bad, but you can't, it, the, the, the die's already cast with a series like this. You either have to get on board or you don't. So I wish there was a shojo beat $1.99 a month subscription model so you could read all right? the shojo that's out there, just like the Shonen Jump one, because I think it is something that people, you know, it's just, it's just there enough that you maybe as a target audience would want to keep reading. But yeah, those are my, those are my big thoughts, but we could dig down as deep as you want to go on this one. Yeah. I don't want to dig down yet. And then talk to Deb and chip 20 minutes in, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're coming about the end of volume one. I think that the pacing is straight up for the serialization readership because mm. volume one ends on a strange spot. I think volume two was a little bit awkward too, but they're not bad spots. If you have the next chapter right there, mm -hmm. that kind of uh, thing makes sense, but that's fascinating. We do have to get back to that. Deb, what did you think? This was a tough one for me. Mm. I came to, I came into it cold. Mm -hmm. I came into manga loving shoujo manga. Shoujo manga was my gateway drug. Shoujo manga is my backbone of what I love about manga in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But it is also a medium that I, as I, 
as I get older, I find harder to read mm-hmm. because it's you know for the same reason why pe- you know people like reading uh, Jose manga, which is for the, uh, older readers, is that as an older person, you know that love is more complicated. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, sorry, what's more complicated than being in love with your cousin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's that's right up there. Yes, I, I'll, I'll yeah. answer that. <laughs> but you know, it's also I think the curse of reading a lot of shoujo manga is that you you're aware of similar books, mm-hmm. and then you find yourself comparing them to the similar books. Like immediately, my my feeling was, um, wow, this is like Fushigi Yugi, but mm. not. Which it's Fushigi Yugi's The Mysterious Play is basically like one of the, it's a classic manga that everyone refers to as like a reverse harem, which means there's okay. one girl and like many, and like many, many guys who are vying for her attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bachelorette. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Bachelorette. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, oh, we'll have to get to harem manga at some point. Mm. We don't have to. Oh, must we? <laughs> did, you say, did you say harem manga? It's a whole thing. It's a reverse harem because harem manga is basically a a a kind but clueless guy is surrounded by lots of pretty women. Yeah, the bachelor versus the bachelorette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can exactly. I can relate to these. I get it. I wish I had read more because I only read up to volume one, mm-hmm. and then I got lazy and I decided to watch what happened in the anime thereafter. Because <laughs> it was free. I yeah. paid six ninety nine for this one. And I was like, I'm feeling so lukewarm about this right now. Do mm-hmm. I want to spend more money on this? So I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, kind of the same feeling. It, it didn't, like, you know, like what you were saying with Paradise Kiss was like, how you respond to these types of stories is a reflection on who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, as your as far as your perspective on relationships or whatever or like what 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 gets you uh interested and uh excited and what get leaves you kind of flat yeah i felt like this like i didn't like either, any of the guys <laughs> really like, yeah I, thought, I didn't think any of the guys were appealing yeah I mean, the, the 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 bodyguard guy was just kind of brusque and mm-hmm. then the the cousin guy was kind of schmarmy. That's yeah. probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was yeah, there was no real sense of longing from is it son, the bodyguard guy, like like I felt like there needed to be more in volume one instead of just him like yeah I'm protecting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of it kind of kind of just so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but I'm willing to be open to the fact that yes, it may be like all like several manga that we've talked about among us playing like uh, it gets better later on and i'd love to hear what you guys have discovered further on the path that i have not been on yet yeah we can definitely do that i'm okay. excited that this is going to be a not contentious that's the wrong word <laughs> it's always contentious with chris is here oh, so every episode every episode's contentious chip how do you feel so i i don't know what what the hallmarks of a shoujo manga are like even going into this i'm like this is shoujo or is it like shoujo with some shonen in it because there's some fighting? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how broad these categories get. I, I, I liked it, but I liked it from a distance, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because I, 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 I read it kind of recognizing like, okay, like there's a, there's, it feels very templated boilerplate kind of versions of characters that don't have a lot going on. 
Yeah. Uh, especially in a volume one. And whether it's a conscious choice to have Yona not really have a lot going on. So you uh, imprint on her as a reader a bit more, or if it's just like the author didn't know what her deal was until maybe volume three, four, five. Uh, my, my assumption in reading it is there's more to come for the characters. Obviously at some point she's going to get trained. Maybe she's going to step up. Like, you know, they, they, they have her very, very kind of weak by the end of this. So mm-hmm. again, my assumption is there's more to her story in terms of building the character up, both like emotionally, physically, uh, as it, as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they drop hints at things throughout, like of this kind of the larger world. And part of me is interested in, in kind of reading more. Mm hmm but not so much that I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there are, there are, there are a couple things in here that I'm just like, Oh, that's, there's some beautiful imagery. And one of my favorite pages that we've seen so far is actually in this. And that's oh. the, uh, the flashback to the dad, which he stops the person with the blade. Oh yeah. 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 And then the page after is just like him from behind, just the hand holding the hand with a bit of blood and her realizing like he's not a coward after all. Mm. Like there's something, there's something to the, the like it, it made that character, even though he's just like a kind of flashback character, like weirdly rich. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cause there's such a disparity between the way he looks and the way he's behaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also just not, it's not like, Oh, my dad's not a coward. Look at, he just punched that person or he did this action thing. It's mm-hmm. like, no, he did a thing that on the surface is subtle, but the reality is there's a tremendous amount of pain there. And he's very mm-hmm. casual about it to the point where he hides it to the point where it's behind him. Like, like it's, it's a really evocative page. It stuck with me as a comics creator, that kind of, yeah. that kind of, that kind of detail work. Those are pages 128 and 129. Check the show notes to see what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> Mongosplaining.com. I, I will say the, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, when when uh, Yona when Yona discovers you know who the, the shadowy figure is, mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's going to be uh, Su Wan because there's literally no one else. It could be, yeah, no one else <laughs> even has a name. <laughs> yeah, like like it's not going to be the dark bodyguard because that's just too obvious. So out of contention. Yeah, but it was a weird thing because I was like I was partially surprised because they're there is no clue there that it could be him except for the fact that there's no one else like her flashbacks of her cousin slash lover are all very nice and sweet and protective and this wonderful guy. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, I just killed him. Ah, I'm bad. Felt a little bit unearned, Mm. but, but it it was drawn so well. I'm just like, I'm still in for the ride of it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there might have been like one line about his dad being killed or something like that, but it's not enough to count as foreshadowing, you know, because you're yeah. like, who cares about this guy we just met or possibly mm-hmm. haven't met yet? Yeah. I don't know if it was something there or not, but I, the second he shows up at the palace, I'm like, oh, the, the king is dead. Like, the, he, the, he is going to kill the king. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know what it was about on that it was like this is definitely going to happen but i yeah. i don't know i i feel like i'd have to go back and read because it uh, it never even occurred to me for a second that it might not be him and it wasn't just <laughs> that he's the only name <laughs> yeah well, don't chris, worry chris, by the third volume chris has right. amazing uh regicide raider 
Murdar. Murdar. I think part of the reason why you two kind of saw that coming, I think it's like kind of the story demands it. Like this type of story goes in that direction. Like the king, he's too nice, first of all. Yeah. Um, he doesn't demonstrate martial prowess. So mm. he's clearly retired from like a warlike life. Mm. He's basically set up to get stabbed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have a related point that kind of ties into uh, your point about shoujo and this kind of being shoujo-ish, ish, and also like predicting the story. And hopefully, I can make this hang together. Have any, Have you read the Heroic Legend of Arslan, Deborah Chris? I, I watched the anime. I haven't. Okay, read, I haven't the read manga. It. Okay, so the manga is based on a novel written mm-hmm. by Yoshiki Tanaka, and the manga is done by Hiromu Arakawa, you know, our friend from Full Metal Alchemist, mm. and. It's basically the same story as this. There's like a young prince, like long, beautiful blonde hair. Like he's got like a great dad, uh, a great family. A relative comes in, kills his dad, takes over his throne. The prince goes on the run and gathers like a horde of themed warriors. There's like a bard. There's like the thief lady. You know, Mm -hmm. there's like the tall, dark and handsome guy who is unbeatable in battle. There are several points of comparison. They're, they execute differently, but the broad strokes, I think, are very the same. So I feel like they're kind of working from a similar template. Mm-hmm. And what I realized reading Yona and actually reading Arslan around the same time, it's serialized on Crunchyroll, uh, Kodansha publishes it in print, is mm-hmm. they're both the same adventure story. So the shoujo and shonen aspects don't really matter. It's almost like shoujo is an aisle at the grocery store and shonen is another aisle. <laughs> And both aisles have rice, but they're different kinds of rice, you know? <laughs> okay. I was wondering you know where that I mean? metaphor was going. <laughs> yeah. Because you can tell any type of story within those categories. You know, you could do romance shonen, which has like a very specific vibe. You could do romance shoujo, which has like a certain vibe. And I think shoujo beat does a pretty good job. The imprint does a pretty good job of showing the spread. But I think for this type of story, like you have to have the sacrifice in the beginning to start the plot along. Mm-hmm. And as soon as there's like the the childhood friendship situation in manga, one of them is going to be bad. Like, I feel like yeah. that's almost <laughs> <Yeah>. a must. <laughs> yeah. And the other will be, you know, loyal to the death because that's like how those, that's how we want to see those relationships play out. Mm-hmm. So I think when Chris says this is competent, I totally see why, because all these characters are archetypes. Like the King is very cuddly, but you don't know anything about him really until partway through the book. Like when he gets the depth, thanks to blocking the sword. But looking back, I realized that the king is very much, everything he does is to protect Yona from mm-hmm. the perils of royalty, from, you know, like the death of her mother, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Even stopping the sword and kind of like tricking a child into guarding his daughter forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> classic move. Yeah, completely <laughs> classic. Great dad move. <laughs> but it made me kind of reconsider how I looked at shoujo. Versus it being like a, a genre that I didn't get. But in reality, it's just like a category that I haven't explored. That's full of things that like I would probably like. Not so much the ones where people have to date their cousins, but the rest of this is really good. <laughs> no, man. Dating your cousins is a huge part of shoujo. I'm not even fucking with you. Like it is really? a huge part of shoujo manga. Yeah. So actually, I have several questions on that front because <laughs> the protection thing feels very much like a fantasy like someone's going to be there for you even in the worst times it feels like yeah. uh, wish fulfillment mm-hmm. even you know like the the evil cousin is you know very supportive and into her as a kid mm. with the incest thing like what's the appeal like is it like a royalty thing 
Mm, it's, it's, it's not wrong. actually a, it's not oh. a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's that your family is around you, so of course you have a crush on your cousin. You grew up with them. It's just cultural, uh. and, and it plays out in a lot of different genres of stuff. Let's see, where have I come up with the the first time I was really aware of it was we read Even Though We're Adults a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. which we all really liked. That author's uh, previous book, Sweet Blue Flowers, starts off with the protagonist, who's like a 17-year-old high school girl, being devastated when her girlfriend, who is her cousin, and, and they thought and they were together for a long time, goes off and marries a dude because she's like 19 or whatever now, or 20, mm -hmm. and marries mm -hmm. a dude. And she's like, I thought we would be together. And it's like, oh, no, you were just fooling around with your cousin. She wanted to get married. You're the lesbian. Uh, actually Jeez. Uh, and that's that's how sweet blue flower starts off and i was like hooked right like how could you not be it gets real boring by about the end of the second book so i kind of stopped reading it but and then yeah. even though we're adults is the best but yeah it's a it's absolutely a trope that that permeates shoujo and jose manga and it's not even portrayed in like the own like the weird thing here where you're like the dad's like no matter what happens you can't get together with you know suyon is for very other reasons we find out yeah. in like volume three and volume four it has nothing to do with him being his cousin like also i don't know if you know this but this is not a just a japanese cultural thing cousins marry in royalty all yeah the, i was gonna say all the yeah, time like have you thing. seen great britain like no, <laughs> I mean, i'm from america so we try not to when we can help it. right right there's there's a period yeah. of like 350 years in europe where literally everyone marries everyone else that they're related to just to like keep things real tight uh it yeah. only ends because of world war one like <laughs> <laughs> anyway long story short you know like there's that it's it's a bunch of things coming together there it didn't really it's like purebred dogs right there's only so many out there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so and you can't marry an out you can't marry an outsider so more like Valheim when you have two two-star boars and they have a baby boar but you need it to keep breeding to get more two-star boars so that you can have enough meat for your wolf farm Nobody That's just for me. That was a reference. <laughs> just for me. Still obsessed with Valheim. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, um, for, I mean, for some people too, it's just like it's it's a forbidden fruit thing. Like my mom still goes on about when she was like sixteen, traveling to England for the first time and making out with her cousin. I'm just like, mm. why? Why are you even telling me this, mom? Again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I know, I know why. She's like, it was just wrong, but you know, it was great. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. Oh, geez. Mom. All right. So are there other shoujo tropes in here that kind of leapt out at you? Oh, Deb is right in saying that this is exactly Fushigi Yugi, except the only difference, I would, I would say the difference is the inciting incident where Fushigi Yugi uh, starts off and it's an isekai. It's one of the earlier examples of published isekai in North America. And isekai is a genre where a character from our world, something happens. Usually they die, but uh, and nowadays, usually they die. But, you know, in other ways, like they end up in a magical event or something like that and they get swept away to another world it's Nerd, the, it's, yeah. it's like classic young adult literature and then that's what fushigi yugi is from that point on it turns out she's the mystical heroine who's come through world and a gaggle of very hot dudes surround her and they're all good at fighting and then they fight uh mm -hmm. fushigi yugi is probably not still around because there's a lot of other really problematic stuff around the beginning of Fushigi Yugi that you find out about. Like there was another girl that was swept alongside of her into the other world. And when she arrives in the other world, she doesn't get the you're a mystical princess treatment. She gets the we're going to like, can, like it's bad. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to, I don't want to mark this <laughs> yeah. episode explicit too, but like 
bad shit happens to her above and beyond what should be in a shoujo manga. And you're like, this is super dark. Like, what is going on in Fushigi Yugi? Anyway, her experience makes her the villain of the series. There's a lot going on in Fushigi Yugi. But Deb is right. Like, this is like taking that. There's some like Avatar The Last Airbender like stuff in here with like Fire Nation, Ice Nation, Wind Nation, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Avatar was five years. Like, I feel like there's a lot. The Pan-Asian thing that you mentioned, the countries are Pan-Asian, I think is mm-hmm. like when you want to have a fantasy setting and you don't want to set it in like actual Japan, that this is a very standard setting in, in fantasy manga, particularly Japanese. Well, like uh, the 12 manga. kingdoms is really popular, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's very yeah. specifically not fantasy or am I totally out to lunch on that? Am I confusing it, something else? It kind of is, but it's, it's this kind of Chinese uh, mystical, it's, you know, kind of like how like for like European, um, uh, cultures it's like oh you know fairy tales right castles mm. and stuff like that i think the the kingdoms of china have that same allure mm. or same vibe right mm-hmm. beautiful mystical like ancient kingdom with i don't know magic and whatever mm. like maybe that's their their deep uh, relationship though the only reason why i bring up 12 kingdoms is like when you read princess jellyfish there's that one nerd that's really into it <laughs> <laughs> that's all i know about 12 kingdoms <laughs> they were always around i never read those those novels the tokyo pop translated a bunch of them I think it was just kind of not my thing <laughs> yeah same yeah i don't know i think what would be a good example the the love triangle with the childhood friends is another huge mm-hmm. not just shoujo trope but manga trope but especially shoujo trope mm-hmm. but there's uh, but this is like a fairy tale trope too right like yeah, like the woman, the, the spoiled princess who has who gets taken out of her 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 sheltered life and gets thrown into this life where she has to be stronger mm. and less less of a brat. The, yeah. I, I guess the thing with this one is that Yona, not only is Yona's dad very sweet and kind, Yona is just kind of not any one thing in particular. Like she's not especially bratty. Mm-hmm. She's not especially restless. Like she comments have... on that in the second volume, actually, that she has no personality. Ah! <laughs> wow. There's a thing, yeah, there's a thing where she's pretending to not be the the only redheaded person in the entire kingdom somehow. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm not the princess. I'm just a girl who grew up in the castle as a lady in waiting. And it's like, no, you're not. Anyway, they're like, yeah, you don't really, you're going to have to learn how to do anything. And she's like, I can play the lute a little bit or whatever they said the, the instrument was. And the guy's like, no, you can't. That's not what that was. That wasn't playing. And it's like, oh, you're not good at literally anything, are you? Uh, and it's <laughs> it's the only moment of lever- levity. And like, so without spoiling too much, the entire second volume is just like her having PTSD from watching her dad get killed. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing about this manga is it takes a whole volume for her to just be like 100% completely withdrawn, traumatized, and shocked. And the mm-hmm. second volume I find is like, this is all, this is playing against type for a shoujo manga and i think would be the thing especially if it runs so i, I just looked it up and hanato yumi runs uh, every two weeks in japan mm-hmm. or twice a month not every two weeks which is slightly different if you're reading all these like shoujo series and you know there's a lot of tropes and there's a lot of things that make it a shoujo story as we learned in nozaki-kun last week all of a sudden it's like here's one where for six episodes the lead character won't speak and looks like like a like a nightmare happened to her until in like literally the last chapter of book two she kind of snaps out of it to save uh son hawk and you get a sense of who she might end up being 
And I thought that that was like, but also she dies at the end of the second volume. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the well, I missed that on a lot. <laughs> in the volume three, you find out she didn't quite die. So you're, but she almost died. If she would have died, yeah. if she hadn't, so I'm, I'm, if I'm she hadn't sh- been rescued. I'm, I'm shocked at the PTSD stuff because like, by the end of volume one, just like, wow, they're really spending a lot of time with her kind of being in shock. Mm. Like I thought that was a lot. Keeps going. But they can keep going with it. Keeps going. Yeah. She doesn't come out of it until the very last chapter of volume two. That is kind of refreshing. Like uh, just before uh, jumping onto this podcast, my wife and I watched the first episode of we're hopelessly out of date with everything. uh, Man in the high castle. Oh yeah. Okay. At some point in the pilot, like this, this one woman's like half sister gets gunned down basically in front of her. But then she's like, she's kind of teary eyed, but then she's fine. And I was That's just like, even see though, <laughs> but, but, but after, after I know after reading this, I was just like, they should probably spend more time with her kind of digesting that. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's just where we we're we're so used to that in all of our media that like something horrible happens and you just move on. Like, obviously I'm going to, reference this movie because it's one of the greatest of all time but demolition man of course <laughs> ah like sylvester stallone like just before he gets like cryogenically frozen or whatever like his wife is gonna wait for him and he's like oh you know i'm getting frozen and then he gets unfrozen and he finds out so much time has passed his wife is dead hmm. and he immediately starts macking on sandra bullock <laughs> Look, and like as a kid when i watched it i didn't think about it as an adult yeah like, wait, wait a second like literally like in his mind five minutes ago his wife was alive and now he's just like trying to have sex with sandra bullock <laughs> there's there's not enough there's not enough room usually in our media for a character to process an event mm. whereas in manga mm. because it is so spaced out over many volumes, like you actually have the opportunity to delve into those things. And I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised to find out that volume two is just, <laughs> just staring at a wall. Like that feels kind of realistic in a wow. fantasy setting. And this sort of thing happens, I wouldn't say frequently in manga, but often enough to where I think it is absolutely a strength of the format. Yeah. In One Piece, there the main character is Luffy. Someone close to him dies. I don't want to say who because it's a great moment in the book. Mm-hmm. But Luffy basically, like his, they start drawing his eyes just completely whited out, like he's catatonic and yeah. still mm-hmm. fighting to save this person and like screaming and stuff. It's amazing. And this is like this is definitely like One Piece is a boys manga that has a lot of uh, emotional moments. But this is one where it's like, wait, this isn't like that happy like let's solve all the problems emotion. This is like oh despair is what we're yeah. dealing with yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's made that that much more special because he never reacts like that. Yeah, he's very much like the happy go lucky, like we're gonna get through this, guys. We just gotta eat a lot of meat and punch really hard, kind of a guy. <laughs> yeah, it comes hundreds of chapters in, right? I think I know yeah. what moment you it's mean like, specifically. It had that spoiled for me when I walked into a One Piece exhibit in Japan, and there was literally a full size three D diorama with the with statues of the characters like hugging and it happening, and I'm like. What the hell is this? They put it on t-shirts. Happy-go-lucky one piece. Speaking of (laughs) t-shirts, David, I want a t-shirt that says, uh, eat, meat, punch hard. (laughs) (laughs) That could be our manga explaining merch. Oh, damn, (laughs) yeah. It's such a great phrase. Eat, meat, punch hard. (laughs) (laughs) The one, one good American example I can think of of this kind of reaction was the issue. Did Gwen Stacy die on a cliffhanger? 
it was either the yes. issue where she died she, or the one she, after. She she dies uh, at the end of an issue, and the last page is Spider-Man shaking his fist like, you killed the right. one I love, Green Goblin, I'm going to uh, get you. So the issue after that, yeah, that's one. It ends with Peter Parker basically sitting in his apartment. It's like a nine-panel grid or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like, just quiet and being kind a big jerk to Mary Jane. He's like... You know, you're just a party girl. You didn't care about Gwen anyway. Why don't you get out of here? Wow. And it's like, wow, this guy is our superhero and he sucks right now, but he's, it's, you know, going yeah. through it. It's mm-hmm. one of the, it's one of the best nine panel pages in, in comics. I think, uh, Absolutely. I mean, that, that issue, especially, sorry, we're now doing comic explaining yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in that issue, like he beats a green goblin, like by halfway through the issue, green goblin dies. Yeah. And so it's him kind of dealing with the aftermath of everything. And in that, on that final page, it's silent. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Mary Jane, who is the party girl. She goes to leave and then she stops and she just closes the door and stays. And it kind of defines the Spider-Man comic forever after that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's one of the only visual callbacks I did when I did Spider-Man Life Story. Awesome. Is, 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 <laughs> is, to, is to have that kind of moment in there. Wow. I, I, you know what? I mean, not to talk about uh, my own writing, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, I tried to do it in Daredevil because, like, uh, when I took over Daredevil, I wanted to explore the effects of violence. And so, issue one, Daredevil accidentally is responsible for uh, the murder of, of a guy who's robbing a liquor store, mm-hmm. and basically, he has to deal with the fallout from that for like. 20 issues like <laughs> like by issue seven like he's he's retired as a superhero he's like having anxiety attacks as wow. a result of this like it's really good thanks but you know but you, you get the pushback from the readers who just like what the, what the fuck man put put him in the costume what's going on <laughs> and then and, and a divorce from reality where they're just like like i'm, I'm dealing with that right now because i'm writing a batman red hood story Red Hood is like the Ooh. the killer Robin. Ah. You know, Batman's like, you know, you're a murderer. And uh, I'll get like readers constantly tweeting at me like, he hasn't killed anyone in a long time. Why is Batman treating him like this? He's, he's murdered hundreds of people. And they're just like, this doesn't make any sense. You don't read the comics. I'm like, oh, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard, it's hard to do it in North American comics. So like, see, basically seeing the space devoted in this. Mm-hmm. to the after effects of a thing was, was actually quite refreshing. And again, knowing it goes on beyond that is, is, is pretty cool. I think. Wow. I think these moments are what make us love these characters too, um, whether yeah. in Western or manga, Western comics or manga. Cause in one piece, all like the good parts, someone's crying and like ugly crying, like full on, you know, oh, there's so much ugly crying and like so not crying. <laughs> that was like big complaint about one piece for a while. Cause like the first couple volumes is just, just crying, sweat, spit just like so much fluids flying it was just like ah. it's very emotional dad <laughs> it's a lot i got used to it <laughs> yeah. and i think yona definitely fits the bill with that the end of chapter ah when the character the end of chapter two when a character you just met gets shot by an arrow uh, and it shows her face like she's stunned like her eyes are huge and she's even looking away as they're running away and it's such like a weird cliffhanger for a book mm. to be like, guess what? You're not safe yet. Life sucks mm, and things yeah. are only going to get worse. Mm. But be- even though she's such a blank, we still feel for her, I think, because of that. Because she uh, is 
she basically just has being like good natured going for her and like kind of funny. But now we're like, oh, this is tragedy. Um, yeah. Can we make that another T-shirt? Life sucks, and things are only going to get worse. That might already be a T-shirt. <laughs> it might be another yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I want to talk about the storytelling a little bit because there's like one-ish fights in here mm-hmm. when Yona's rescued by Hawk after Suwan kills her dad. But it's not really a fight scene the way I would define it. Like we talked about, like how I like like the mo- the panel to panel flow for fights. Mm-hmm. Well, this is more like the big moments. Like he swings a sword, they stop, and then they talk about it for a little bit. And then like he jumps in this thing and like kills like six dudes and is like, what's going on here? Explain everything. I think it's a very good type of emotional fighting, the way the emotional beats are kind of interspersed into the battle. Mm. Yeah. Because Yona basically is ready for death when uh, Hawk shows up again. So a third of the page is her like weeping and like looking to the sky at the guy who's about to kill her. And then two thirds are him killing people. Mm -hmm. And it's such like an interesting contrast because it's like, here's your fear, but don't worry. Here's your safety at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and also her mental dialogue is just seeing him smile would have made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Very separate things happening right there. Yeah, great lettering on this page too. Mm-hmm. I really like the detail on the slash. Yeah. Oh yeah, we haven't commented on lettering in a couple uh, couple episodes. I actually really liked the lettering in this volume. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. I didn't have many of the problems I have with uh, a lot of lettering. I think in the original Japanese, I kind of wanted more ornamentation in the word balloons or the balloons that were her thoughts. Because mm. usually you'll get a lot of like thought word balloons that are like kind of have the the sort of like you can see one here on page there are no page numbers here <laughs> saying a printed book and not the digital book but uh you could see it here her her thoughts are often this sort of like white word balloon with no outline uh. and that have just the sort of haloing effect mm-hmm. and sometimes that's done with more of a speed line kind of a situation and i feel like that works a little bit better at communicating um, thought balloons rather than word balloons like it, it i kind of got lost every every once in a while but that's like in the japanese that has nothing to do with the american letter letter yeah. and i think that it was like yeah if you're going to use the japanese word balloons and you're going to be real afraid of having your text bleed off of the edge of the page you end up with pages like this where it's like the, it's not quite balanced in the um hmm. on here it's not quite balanced in the word balloon it's not quite balanced yeah. in the word balloon, but cool. it's not too bad What's wild is that varies across the print run. What do you mean? Like the space in that balloon? Uh, because of oh, how the printers the trim cut size, the pages. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because I remember at Image, we would actually get like the first run of comps off the printer. And we'd be like, holy crap, like Chip's book is messed up. What are we going to do? But it would just be like the first like 500 <laughs> copies or something. Okay. Like consistently. <laughs> yeah, trim, trim size, especially in uh, North American printing, you have to have a pretty good safety every every printer will tell you oh sorry this is maybe something maybe you want to dig in more on but basically when you're printing a book trim size is like what size the book is supposed to be and then you have like in the files you send them you have to have a little bit of space Mm. where like anything in the in this space might get cropped off and they usually lie and say that it's like a 16th of an inch or (laughs) maybe an eighth of an inch if they're being really honest it's actually usually closer to a quarter of an inch yeah Mm -hmm. in terms of variance so you've got to be really careful about how much space you do for giving things like word balloons that bleed off of the edge of a page because you might end up losing 
you know, a quarter of an inch of that word balloon. Yeah, um, wow. that's what we're talking about there. We have to we have to bring back your feature, David, where we actually explain things about manga. <laughs> <laughs> we actually manga explain at some point. I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm, in, I'm interested in this in terms of like. Yeah. The, the wait, wait, wait. Instead of mug yeah. opinioning all the time, we need to mug explain. Oh no! <laughs> Very good. Let's do it today. I'm on fire. So this 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 feels to me like a, a like it's a modern enough book that the translators are not saddled with the balloons. Uh. <laughs> so I'm only I'm only I'm saying that before you go on, I'm saying that because I'm looking at a page right now where the letter has done something really interesting and is using a translucent balloon. Oh, mm. and they could they could only really do that if there was nothing there to start with. It so, turns David, out manga letterers wrong? are amazing, and <laughs> we call it retouching essentially, which is uh, editing the art to fit like Western not standards, Western styles, for lack of mm-hmm. a better phrase. Um, so you know, writing out the balloons, putting in Amer- English text, American text. I can't believe I almost said that out loud. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Canadian hurt my soul. Yeah, here. Canadian text. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also like making those transparencies, like reproducing the art underneath the finished mm-hmm. art in a way that's hopefully seamless with the original work. Mm. So they're just are they still not getting art? that has no word balloons on them or the word balloons just embedded into the art. It's embedded into the art. Nine times out of 10, we get files that maybe there might not be lettering. If that's blanked out, like that's a guess, but generally we get like the actual straight up Japanese files. Oh my God. Yeah. So manga letterers are, uh, they're a rare breed, I would say. Yeah. This is maybe the last publisher that is doing that. (laughs) That is like, uh, on one or two, I think, but we do it almost as a general rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think I work on the only books where we don't do it. Uh, Oh, really? Our adventure, we subtitle the sound effects at, um, Mm -hmm. it's just part of like the, the package, like the JoJo's vibe. It's very important. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree. Uh, yeah. It's really interesting too because you'll get, Every licensing agreement is different too. Mm-hmm. Even every licensing agreement is done usually with the rights holder's representative, which is usually the publisher in Japan, uh-huh. but is sometimes the author. So different publishers have different things in their rights agreements. But the, the general practice is like if you're going to retouch the sound effects, you have to make that clear in your proposal and yeah. like have that be part of the contract. So a lot of a lot of contracts are like you can basically delete anything that's inside of a word balloon, but you can't even like redraw a word balloon or replace it unless mm-hmm. you get specific approval. So it's it's a complicated situation. I think I think there's a lot of questions online about well, why didn't the publisher just do this and fix it? And it's like because every time the publisher has to change literally anything outside of the contract, it becomes like a three week long discussion. <laughs> like yeah. I know that My there facts. are a lot of <laughs> a lot of. <laughs> edits at a certain point in both Full Metal Alchemist and Shaman King and that things that had to be edited and fans went berserk online about the editing that was done to the art and it's like every one of those edits was a huge discussion between the North American publishers the um, Japanese rights holders the Japanese authors in both cases I think got involved because it couldn't just be decided by an editorial team or a licensing, you know, person or even a lawyer like you had to like because it was art. So, yeah, it's 
it's so different. Every single project is its own project. And especially for long learning projects, it can mm-hmm. change. Like the kinds of files you get might change halfway through. Like if all of a sudden, you know, between 2010 and 2016, Hanato Yume changed how they accept files from authors or the author mm-hmm. went from doing physical comics, like physical comics art to digital comics art, the kinds of files you might get uh, would change as well. So yeah. it's yep. it's literally just rolling the dice. You don't often know what you're going to get until after the contract's signed. It's wow. crazy. But there's one thing about shoujo manga we haven't talked about, mm. and is actually kind of related to the the format discussions we're having. Can you go to? Looks like one, two, three, f- page four. Page four. With the king in the upper right saying, "No, not at all. Even precious gems can't hold a candle to your beauty." Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a pattern behind the king. There's flowers behind Yona. There's sparkles on the facing page. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about all this, like? stuff on the page in a shoujo book all this stuff <laughs> like all the patterns and Deb, please embellishes. tell us about all the stuff <laughs> page four uh let's see wait i think i'm seeing the wrong page who is a background artist in the uh weekly uh oh yeah manga? <laughs> oh the flowers the, 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 the yeah. oh yeah, yeah. The flowers the sparkles all I, of I, it I, I i thought of him a lot reading this <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deb, it'd be like page ten. Uh, and the digital, oh, yeah, 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 I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's sometimes like with with shoujo manga, it's the language of flowers. Like you know mm. how it's kind of maybe it's an old Victorian thing, but um, like carnations mean faithfulness or something like that, or uh, bleeding hearts mean betrayal. Like sometimes there's that type type of message with the flowers. Mm. It's meant to set a mood. Mm. Uh, it's kind of an old shoujo manga trope, really. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've seen it in so many things, and like I appreciate it. I like the the visual aesthetic, yeah. mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily understand the hows and the whys of it. It's visualizing emotions. Yeah, she's feeling a certain way, and that certain way is represented by a certain flower. And like Deb says, if you understand what that flower is supposed to mean, and mm-hmm. girls' comics readers just know, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how they know, but they seem to know. Then you know that like, oh, she's feeling this thing or like these sparkles imply this. And it's a visual language that you pick up from just reading a lot of shoujo manga. It's the mm-hmm. kind of thing where like I could tell you what she's what she's feeling for the most part, but I could not tell you how I know it. And I could not accurately translate it to you. I could just I be mean, like, oh, I, I, I will. I will <laughs> add to that. It's pretty. It's so Absolutely. pretty. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be like, you know, you could. You could be something as simple as it's, these are these are flower buds and she is young and innocent and dewy, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and the name of the dream, the name of the magazine is Flower and Dream. Flowers so, and Dreams. Oh, yeah. Hanato Yume is kind of, it's it's kind of special in, in it, what it specializes in. Mm-hmm. My understanding with Hanato Yume is that it specializes in f- stuff with a fantasy bent to it. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, like I think Fruits Basket is, is Hanato Yume. Mm-hmm. Oh really? And, mm-hmm. and I think um, what was it? She this author did two other series that were published in English. One's called NG Life, and one's called Mugen Spiral. Mm-hmm. And then the NG Life one is about a a Roman warrior reincarnated as a girl. Her best friend is reincarnated as a ma- as a male, and then the the that guy's best friend is. Now a female who has feelings for the guy, 
It's like this complicated reincarnation love love triangle. I feel like I need a conspiracy map to pull that together. <laughs> I, I could barely explain it. Then yeah. the other one, I think the other one is Mugen Spiral is about like the woman, the main character is a um, like a exorcist or a mystic, and then she's mm. the the main guy is a demon and then she seals away his, his powers and then he ends up hanging around her because he wants to get those powers back but in the process they fall in love so is that also inuyasha indeed it kind of is <laughs> <laughs> i got real i got real inuyasha vibes even from this one but i think you're right that fushigi yuki is closer inuyasha's I mean, it's technically a shonen, but it's a female protagonist, and it's about love, and it's like a shonen romance. Uh, oh, yeah. it's a shonen romance, whereas this is a shoujo action, and they sort of come real close to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that, a great that way diagram. to put it. I mean, I was actually yeah. in this, this webinar with these librarians, and they were just kind of going back and forth, like, what's shoujo and what's shonen, you know? Like, it was confusing mm-hmm. to them a little bit, because it's like, they were saying, oh, yeah, Komi can't communicate. And then they went, no, that's shonen. What? Yeah. You know, um, I see. is it shonen or seinen? It's like, shonen. Isn't it's, it shonen? It's, ah, I'm gonna look it up because it does. The characters' ages would say it's shonen, but it's like such a weird ass series. Well, sorry, it's a shogakukan series, and their stuff tends to be different <laughs> than a lot of uh, than a lot of the straight and narrow. Can I ask uh, a shojo question based uh, on this? Yeah, yeah. Book. The one thing that uh, I noticed that totally pulled me out of the book every chapter mm. was the sidebar with the author. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> they're so, uh, they're, they don't even tie, true. they don't tie into anything that's happened. Like I'm, I'm looking at the one I right didn't realize, now, but you're right. That's a where it's like, where she's in PTSD from seeing her dad killed. And all of a sudden there's a sidebar like, well, anyways, I don't get a lot of exercise, but my mom gives me good eating habits. I love veggies, blah, blah, blah. What? What is going on here? <laughs> like little hearts and things. This, this is the first manga where that happened. It's so good. I yeah. forgot about that. I'm so numb to it already. I, I, I don't even, I don't understand being on the adapting side and, and keeping that. Mm. Or, or, or not taking them, cutting them out and putting them at the back. So I have a guess about what this is, and okay. Deb and Chris can maybe tell me if I'm right. Where all these little notes are, wait, were there ads there before in the serialization? Yes. No. Oh, no, sorry. In oh. the serialization, these author notes are, sorry, Exist. generally, generally. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I, I may be disagreeing with Deb here, so let's go for it. But mm, uh, yeah, yeah. Tear us in apart. the magazine serialization, uh. the area where the author notes are, are mm-hmm. generally ads. Are they um, really? They're in they're in magazine ads, usually for the series you're reading or for other series ah. that you might enjoy. And then when they collect it as a tonkuban, hmm. two things happen. Um, number one, they just white out the ads, and the author adds shit into that space. And in this in this instance, I'll show um, a couple pages, but there's. It's always, it's almost every chapter will have at least one where it's the, um, you know, sort of left hand side of a left facing. Yeah, it was so consistent. There was, yeah. Yeah. So oh my God, because I've not there. read a shoujo manga magazine like that, like the phone book. To yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I've got, 
I've got a bunch of shoujo phone book manga here, but you'll even see there's a there's one of the chapters that I read because uh, I read this I finished reading two and three last night where they has it has that but it also has half of the first page as well uh, huh. has an ad so usually they'll just take those out and they'll add in extra bonus author things the other mm-hmm. thing that they'll do and this is what happens usually with I would say shonen manga do this more often than not is that they'll go in and they'll redraw the pages that have those ads oh, in it, or they'll cool. have a different version of that page that eliminates that space. So sometimes it'll be like, they'll add another long vertical panel. So if you're ever reading a shoujo manga and you see a long vertical panel along the left, that it looks, you know, just a character shot or something <laughs> like that. It's because there was probably an ad there. Oh, here you go. So you can see here, you've got, this is towards the end of volume one. You've got the, on the side, but you've also got this author note where she thanks mm. her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was actually also would have been an ad as well. Wow. And the reason they do that. And the reason we see it as often as we do in shoujo manga is because if the series is the most popular series that's running in the magazine, you have to intersperse ads into it because that's the one that people are buying the whole magazine to read. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you've got to be like, Hey, I know you're really liking this. Please flip forward 30 pages after you're done. There's another great series, you know, 50 oh. 50 that that'll happen. So, yeah, these yeah. are ads, and the Japanese Tonkaban replace it with notes from the author. And that makes the Tonkaban oh. really special because you're getting direct oh. feedback from the author. That's really cool, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they have to keep them in. I think it's part of the contract that we're, you have to translate it. And frankly, fans would be furious if you took them out even if you put them at the back or whatever yeah 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 but i mean you you know my catchphrase the fans <laughs> you know this wasn't an explicit episode david can you do like a funny like farting noise over the f word <laughs> and mine earlier too to be fair no make it a, make it a flowery sparkly sound like, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we can do that <laughs> like they're they're ill-placed uh, author notes that do not help anything like i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna read a paragraph <laughs> keep in mind this is post ptsd as for what i don't like i'm not into meat or shellfish but i'm fine with ground meats i love hamburger steak and meat sauce heart and pork bone soup i'm okay with soup stock made from chicken bones and meat when i'm working meals are what i look forward to most of all heart what does that have to do with <laughs> anything? That's not a diary. That's not like. I mean, maybe like like there's like she has a deadline. She's got to fill it in with something. So she just goes, yeah. It's just stream of consciousness oh, shit. It's that's what it feels like. Are always like this. It's really? like oh, like I played a lot of Pokemon last night, or like oh, I fell out of the tub and got hurt. I think it's in the but usually I fell out of the tub and got hurt. She does a little yonkoma. I think in the third volume uh, for one of those author notes, like just in the margin, About the she blog? does like a Sergio Aragones, like little comic or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh nice. it's, yeah. Maybe it's a bit the blog or something. Cause uh, it's like, got to fill that space up and I'm certainly not going to redraw this whole page. Like forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love funny. this content. I wish it was placed like at the end of the story or like between yeah. chapters, you know? Yeah. It really undermines the dramatic moments. <laughs> But it's funny you brought that up before I did because I was thinking I've only seen this in a couple of manga. One is Boys Over Flowers, which is shoujo manga. So I was like, oh, this must be like a shoujo thing. But the other is Hunter Hunter by uh, Togashi. Or no, not Hunter Hunter. uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. There are some early chapters where you'll see like a weird vertical panel, including when he introduces a character and it's like this character will never appear again. And it's just like a pinup of a cute girl. 
who's a god of death. <laughs> and in that case, I'm like, oh, this is a good joke for this series. It pulls you out, but it's still kind of in the in the mix. Not quite so much for Yona, though. I love the one where she starts a blog and like takes a picture of food, and it's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll throw that in the show notes. It'll be good. Oh, good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I get it, and absolutely aesthetically storytelling wise you are both a hundred percent correct mm-hmm. but it's just invisible to me now it I'm is that's what i mean yeah. it's invisible to me too so weird. <laughs> i don't even see it anymore it's just like oh yeah the author's talking about her lunch uh cool like oh yona's real upset <laughs> like it's just it just washes over me it's not yeah. it's two different two different tracks i think wow yeah i'm, I'm on team deb on this one Nice. So our <laughs> argument did not tear us apart. And in fact, brought us closer together. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to start with final? Th- Actually, let's go in reverse order. Uh, Chip, what are your final thoughts on Yon of the Dawn? Um, it's it's very simple, very pretty. Yeah, I, I think those are actually just my final thoughts. Simple and pretty. I mean, it's good enough, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I could see. I can see reading uh, more beyond this if I was maybe mm-hmm. in the uh, the age range for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Deb, how about you? I just feel like it just wasn't my thing. <laughs> not, I'm not like super incented to keep reading, and maybe like I need need to give it a chance to like volume three and then i'll be like then i'll be like you know schmarfing down every volume like <laughs> buying six volumes at once and comics on you yeah give me that shit you know yeah but right now i'm just kind of like ah oh, maybe i'll read something else but, <laughs> but i can see that you know for a teen girl this would be awesome right because it's it's mm-hmm. it's got an adventure you know she's she's you know it's a you know magical land she someday will be a will be strong and spunky, but we're not seeing that yet. <laughs> oh, that's on the first page, actually. I meant to bring that up earlier. The first page of the book is her is like a battle-hardened warrior. Yeah, exactly. And then mm-hmm. it flashes back to like, by the way, life sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, so that's kind of the hint of what's to come, really. I mean, what, yeah. what you're, what you're going to eventually see from her. Yeah. But uh, And I think, you know, because people are very, I think today's girls are as much as you know we like disney princesses and stuff mm-hmm. i think today's girls want uh, their princesses to have more uh fight in them i could see that yeah or at least not be such such i don't know pushovers <laughs> <laughs> like from the get-go because yeah. like clearly this character is going to have more fight in her yeah based on the beginning of the book and where we assume it goes yeah but yeah yeah and chris what's your final take it's tough because I think Deb's right. Uh, if you read the first volume and bounce off of it, what is your incentive to keep going? And it's it's a problem with, with manga right now. It's like there is so much choice out there. I can say that, you know, if I didn't have, like I said, volume two, volume three sitting on my iPad for free, thank you, Viz, I wouldn't have necessarily read more, but I did. And I'm like, oh, if I was talking to Deb about this and we weren't doing the podcast and I'd be like, actually, I just read Yona of the Dawn and it starts real weird. But like by the third volume, 
it's got, I think, a lot of stuff that you like in shoujo manga. It's got like this reverse harem of like continually adding super cute boys. <laughs> she learns to be like a real like kick ass. Even by the end of the third volume, she's shooting stuff with arrows and wants to learn how to use a sword. There's like yeah. a great moment of defiance at the end of the second volume where her like eyes are blazing and it's such a good, such a good shot of her. And it's like, yeah, Deb, I, you know, first volume aside, I totally recommend this to you. But hearing Deb talk about how she bounced off the first volume, yeah, man, like <laughs> there's there's no shortage of manga in Deb's house to go read, uh, like that she hasn't read before, <laughs> let alone in the world or in digital or anything like that. And it's sad but true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like I said, this is a really perfectly competent manga. It does the thing that I don't like about long running manga series. And I lied earlier when I said it was 15 volumes. I misread. It's 35 volumes. It's still coming out in English right now, even though the first volume like volume 32 comes out in September or something. It's it's really long running and I don't know like it gets to the end of the second volume, she almost dies, almost dies or dies sort of. And then the third volume starts and it's like, "Oh, this is a hit." Like you can tell right away the pacing changes, the oh. objective that's introduced is very much it's got a new Yasha problem where it's like, all right, in volume 12 or volume, whatever it is, they get the last piece of the crystal MacGuffin that they need to get to like <laughs> put reassemble it. And then in Yasha go back to his world and the series can end. But the last piece is then split into who knows how many pieces by, uh, by accident. So the series can literally go on indefinitely while they hunt down these individual, you know, shards of crystal that happens where it's like, all right, so I have this savior. He knows the truth. There's this wind tribe, all this stuff. Boom. They crash at the bottom of the mountain. They find the person who tells the future. And he's like, oh, you've got to get four more dudes and you've got to search for them and they're going to help you. And then I kind of feel after she finds the four dudes that there's more dudes on the like in the offing as well. The last dude is actually find. octuplets. Yeah, right. Like it's just like it just becomes a dude quest starting in volume three, and each of the dudes is exceptionally like hot shoujo protagonist. Holy, holy, holy shit! Dude yeah. quest is the best title for anything I've ever heard. I'm stealing it right now. I'm stealing it right now. I'm writing it down. I can so, edit yeah. this so that Chip says it first, and then he gets the copyright. <laughs> Ooh, I, I like it. Uh, so yeah, are you sure that's not Dick Fight Island? Dick Fight Island's pretty well, great. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> so yeah, straight up, uh, I think Competent is like deals with all of its successes and its flaws, and it runs out and and it comes in at a point where it's like if you like shoujo manga and you want to read something that's literally thirty five volumes long, like you are not going to be disappointed in this. But also, yeah, it had a real rough start, and I I don't blame literally anyone for picking up volume one and going nah, uh, never again. So that's my that's my last thought. Yeah, my last thought is I like it because of everything Chris just said about it. <laughs> I think instead of competent, I would actually say I've been thinking about it. Uh, I would say satisfying. I think it hits mm. like certain like beats very well. And mm. maybe they're expected beats for the genre or for the category of shoujo. Mm. But as an outsider to the genre, you know, I read dumb comics where men smoke cigarettes and fight each other all the time. <laughs> like I really appreciated the emotional storytelling. Yeah. And even the way the violence was entwined with the emotions. Like her spending so much of the book like traumatized by like a traumatizing thing happening is it's very well done in manga, but I feel like it's still very rarely done well. Mm. But when it is done well, like those are the things where you're like, oh, this is why I love this character. This is why I love, you know, Naruto or Gara or Spider-Man or whoever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I think we painted a pretty good picture of the book. 
we're going to take a break for some advertisements and then get right back to manga explaining. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome back to Manga Explaining. That was our regularly scheduled capitalism break. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Deb Aoki, who has an exciting new adventure to talk to us about. All right. So thanks to our friends at Viz Media, we are going to start a little feature we're going to call Manga Blind Date. What this basically means is Viz sent us a book. We didn't get to choose it. A book that they want us to talk about. We all read it. We checked it out. And we're just going to let it loose on what our impressions are. Now, this one, I'm kind of looking forward to hearing what Chip and uh, Chris have to say about this one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Doesn't, doesn't this create a problem for David, who is also currently employed by Viz? And now Viz is sending us books to review, presumably for commerce? A little bit. David, are you going to join in on this? Uh, I'm going to recuse myself, which is a word I learned from the television. Whoa. <laughs> like doing a podcast about manga, working in the manga industry, talking about our books, our competitors' books. There's like a very ethical line that I want to make sure that I stay on the right side of. Mm. And I think that getting paid by my employer to talk <laughs> about their books on the internet, it's like a little too conflict of interesty for me. So y'all have to uh, pardon my anxiety this week as my illustrious co-hosts tell you about what I'm sure is a very great book. <laughs> He's coward. <laughs> yep. N nice duck out, David. <laughs> All righty then. We'll just have to do this. Just the three of us. All right. So the book they sent us, it's called Yakuza Lover. Japanese title basically means dangerous lover. It's by Nozomi Mino. And it's available now in print and digital from Shoujo Beat and Viz Media. Let me see if I can explain what this thing is. So a little background. This is a shoujo manga, but it's a very spicy shoujo manga. <laughs> so, whereas the manga we were just talking about came from a magazine called Flowers and Dreams, Yakuza Lover was published in a magazine called Cheese 
exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Wow. That's great. Hanatoyume and cheese is like comparing a Seventeen magazine with Cosmopolitan. One mm. has way more things about sex. <laughs> and this is still a shoujo manga. Indeed. It's a, wow. it's a fairly mature shoujo manga. So I think a hot gimmick was in cheese, or at least some of the other series stuff like that. So basically, that's how m- manga magazines are, right, in Japan. Not only are the shonen manga magazines kind of bifurcated into adult and teen boy stuff, and some some that are more into sports and some are more into action adventure. The same thing happens with Shoujo Manga. Yakuza Lover is basically about a girl named Yuri. She's like in college. And she goes to this party and these guys start hitting on her. And she goes, no, get get out of my face, you losers. I'm just looking for a boy because I want a guy. I want a boyfriend, a boyfriend who loves, loves me for me. And this is Shoujo Manga. So a few pages later, she does meet one. She meets this very handsome, dashing man whose name is Toshiomi Oya. He just happens to be the underboss of a Yakuza syndicate. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) And then the next four chapters are basically, they just can't keep their hands off each other. Let's just put it that way. Mm. There's a little bit of tension where she's like, oh, he's dangerous. I shouldn't go near him. And then she goes right back to him. Not unlike Cosmopolitan Magazine, Dear so-and-so, there's this, this boy I'm really into, but he's kind of skeezy. Should I go back to him? I'm curious, guys. What did you think of Yakuza Lover? Well, uh, let me just say I've been waiting for this moment for the entire run of our podcast, which is <laughs> you finally have given me some smut. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a weird thing because like, I'm always asking for more adult content. And so this is adult content, but it still reads like it's written for a child, which is uh, very interesting. Sorry, a literal child or someone who is immature and the same age as the protagonist? Like I think you got to be clear here. Yes, yes. No, it's, it's obviously not written for like a five-year-old or, or anything like that, but it, it's written in a style as if you are talking to a child, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's right? Am uh, I wrong here? It's... It's kind of a very fantasized airbrush version of what it would be like to date a guy in the mob. Yeah, yeah, and it's nowhere near realistic. I will say, based on the um, the cover, I thought it was a lesbian romance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because okay. The, 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 the body shape and the hair on uh, uh, the male lead. I don't even have to memorize the names because it's just there's two characters in this book. <laughs> it's the guy and the girl. He's very um, feminine, so I, I actually thought, okay, oh, this is interesting. That'll be an interesting twist. The idea of this this uh, woman who's heavily tattooed in the yakuza in the lesbian relationship, but it was more straightforward than that, as it was just a, a beautiful bad boy. I was turned on reading it, so mission accomplished, yakuza mm. lover. Oh, good job to you. I, did, I, you did, I, did your did your thighs throb? <laughs> well, they, tr- they, they, trembled. they trembled. I will say they, they trembled. It's a ludicrous book. Like, like everything about this is absolutely over the top. It makes no sense, but it is quite pretty and, and does the job. The only real downside, and it's mostly an early on thing is, I'm 
just too much tongue action. And I don't, <laughs> I never thought I'd be the kind of person to say that about anything, but there was a real focus on a very kind of pornographic mingling of tongues in, in all the, all the kissing, which I don't appreciate it in real life. And I, when I see it and I don't appreciate it in uh, comic form, it turns out. It turns out this is your first bad experience with tongue action in comics. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, but I mean, besides that, it really does just, it does what it sets out to do, which is great. Just an absolutely, totally divorced from reality fantasy world. I mean, we talked before just about the idea of like romanticizing uh, the Yakuza maybe is a bad idea, but this takes it so far that that the Yakuza is just this, this wonderful organization that just happens to be bad, I guess. <laughs> that it's so divorced from reality that it actually makes it feel more okay than maybe the, the depictions of criminal family activities across other forms of media. <laughs> Chris? <It's, laughs> yeah, I was curious what you were going to say because you already outed yourself on a previous episode as a lover of fine romance novels. And this feels like it's very much in that same spirit. You know what I mean? Like this is like, Oh, he was a bad boy and whatever. And I shouldn't have been getting with him, but I was. And when we did, it was hot and it was just so hot. It's not my preferred situation. And the tongue thing, I gotta say, like, I actually saw that and I was like, Whoa, this is, this feels more like gross than if they were actually had their genitals out. Like it's so tonguey. <laughs> But maybe someone is into this. Like, may, this is specific. Well, this, this is a this specific is, scene. Well, this is my question because because they're clearly not showing genitalia in in this. Is the tongue a substitution for that? Like, it's got to be. Like, it's, it's got to be. be. Yeah, it's got to be. And yeah. I think it's it's interesting because you can have this be a mature. Like this is an M M rated book, a mature book, like eighteen plus. Yeah. Even though it's in the shojo beat line, because it's technically, I guess, shojo, and it's just like, oh, this is maybe what differentiates it from actual, you know, etch, like hentai or, or porn or whatever. Because right? it's not. It's very like even the things that are happen that are like very sexy. Like there's like oral sex with the lady receiving, and there's sexual intercourse for her first time, and there's like all this stuff. But it's so fantastic in the most like fantasy derived version of that word like yeah. it's just like and every time they get together it's a single or double page spread too so it is that like really big shoujo emotional storytelling it's it's a lot it's it's i was reading through this going oh my god like <laughs> over and over i was saying oh my god out loud <laughs> and it's like i don't I don't know. It kind of reads a little bit like it's it's paced a little bit like like hentai, like Japanese porn comics uh, a little bit because there's so few panels on the page, even less so than like shoujo manga or shonen manga or anything. Typically, so many full page spreads. But instead of it being a full page shot with like a money shot, like you would think of it, it's all emotional money shots it's like he's literally come to get me in the rain and he's grabbing me and he's got an umbrella and he's wet and he says once i grab hold of something i never let go that's an emotional money shot right there yeah but then there's also money shots there's also like a little bit of money shots too well i mean like i'm just an example of some dialogue from a page as he's pleasuring her orally 
Could you say for the readers, what page is that? What page is that? uh, 77. Okay. Uh, mm, I'm going to come again. Uh, If I slid inside of you now, lick, you squirted so much again, you would come right away. There's, There's a lot going on here. I had that page flagged too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, but Whoa. like the most you see it in the whole thing, like you don't even see like a nipple on her or her boobs. Like no. it's all tastefully obscured. You see his butt, but even that's not drawn like a curvaceous butt. I'm including this in the show notes. Yeah. That's like a pretty flat butt that that dude's got and rocking. But like, even though you're, you're seeing this and there's literally his face is just drenched with fluids in Ooh. this, if I slid inside you now panel, you don't like you couldn't point to something in this book and go that's porn it's like no it's very very suggestive but it's not even like i don't know it's not even hbo level maybe in a certain like it's in a certain kind way, of a really spicy k drama oh spicy k drama yeah deb you're what did you think of this like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is such an exciting this is this is a book for the ladies it sure is <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's well, you know, like sometimes people complain about shoujo manga. It's like, you know, like, oh, romance. But ah, is that it? It Does it take them 36 volumes to kiss? Like it just drives people nuts, right? So yeah. this gets right to the business right mm-hmm. away. So if, if your complaint about shoujo manga is just effing go to bed together. Yeah. Yakuza Lover delivers pretty quickly. Yeah. And chances yeah. are if you get volume three, two, three, it'll keep doing that. There's enough drama there, so there's some plot going on, so it's not a, a porn comic. There's there's some plot going on. Like, barely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but thing. that's like, what I'm saying. It's so light. Like, it's all of the drama is internal. This is something I want to say about this, and this is this thing that really struck home, is you only know about... You only know about his feelings by things he says directly to her, but the rest of the book is the interior world of the female lead. It's all her thinking and worrying and wondering about him and their relationship, but also what other people will think and whether or not it's too dangerous and whether she should get involved with someone that might get shot. It's it's so there's so little plot or action. It's all about feeling, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, no, and it works. Like she's got the the same kind of thoughts inside that like the characters in Paradise Kiss had, except mm. in, instead of going up against George, she's going up against somebody who's actually telling her how he feels, which is like such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> like sure, I, I, he's I, like I, a I get why you're into this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I I know, but like, but in 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 this context, he's not. Oh, sure. not he's yet. A, not 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 yet. You. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, but like, I mean, yeah. there's drugs it earlier on, you know. It's like, remember, in like uh, Nozaki Kun, where it's like, oh, you know, you can't show the bad boys smoking, uh, the drinking. They have to have mm. chocolate cigarettes and drink juice. Yakuza lovers not afraid to show the stuff that other shoujo manga won't show. Yeah, they go to a cocaine party, a cocaine orgy in the first, in like the first ten pages. Yeah, but it's he's a, not. He's not there yeah. snorting it, and he's not there like cutting it and up. She's there trying to not be taken in by all of this too Mm -hmm. so it sets them apart from this other world which i think is a really interesting storytelling trick because it's like after he gets shot do you think he just is like well i guess uh those guys that shot at me are gonna get away it's like no he wouldn't had a bunch of people like beat up or murdered Um, also because it's off panel we don't we don't have to worry about it also spoiler vids can bleep this out if they want 
He turns the bullets into earrings for her. Oh, I love that. Like, story. come on. This is so good. It's like, again, it, it's so divorced from reality that it's just like, you're just along for the ride. It's like a weird sexual Disney world version of reality. Oh, that's a really good, like she goes to even work at a hostess club, but will never let herself be taken advantage of or, or yeah. go away with these men. And then he comes in and rescues her from the hostess club on the first night she's working there. And it's like, this is, yeah, this, you know, when we're talking about the problems of like romanticizing criminal behavior and it's, you know, it's all media. Like it's not, it's yeah. not a manga thing. It's not a Western thing. It's literally all media. This is maybe like through that lens, literally the most problematic thing that actually exists in print, I think. But through another lens, it's like, isn't it nice to have this space where you can like completely divorce yourself from the real world and live through this fantasy of being with someone who doesn't play by the rules that you've been governed by your whole life? It is very similar to Paradise Kiss in that regard. It's similar to a lot of shoujo manga, except it actually really goes there in a real way. I, I, I will say, like, uh, no guy will read and go, wow, I should join the Yakuza, or no woman will read this and go, wow, I want to get with someone in the Yakuza, because this is so clearly not it. It's so yeah. clearly not it. That yeah. it, Again, it's okay for me. <laughs> okay, well, now that you've read Yakuza Lover, since this is a blind date, would you go on a second date? Would you read the second volume of this series? I found that the I found the way that the volume ended a little... It made me it made it very easy for me to predict where the series was going to go in volume two. And so it kind of like I lost my interest there. But I actually really think I like this mangaka and the way that she draws a lot. Actually, I love her emotional storytelling, her use of tone. Her characters are all really pretty. But when they're not pretty, they're actually drawn. You know what I mean? Like when he's dealing with other like mob bosses and stuff like that, they're not drawn like shoujo protagonists or the like cute little super deformed characters we've seen in <laughs> some of the shoujo manga. That last page with that white tiger, that's a good drawing of a white tiger. Like I want to know what else this mangaka has done and maybe see if the plot is more to my taste. But yeah, I wasn't sorry I read this at all. And any manga that I can read and just cackle to myself laughing every couple of pages at the next ridiculous thing that happens, it's okay in my book. Yeah, agreed. Chip, what do you think? I I probably would if I was horny or if I wanted to be horny. So if, if either of those situations arose, so to speak, I would I would give volume two a shot. Sure, I'd say that applies to a lot of days. Sure. Well, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the kind of book you have by your bedside. And you think, yeah, I'm in the mood for something trashy and hot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that sound when you open the book? Ooh, maybe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Well, seeing as I don't have nosebleeds at my disposal <laughs> as a woman, <laughs> I'm going to take what I can get. All right. That's pretty good. Yakuza Lover Volume 1 by Nozomi Mino is available now from Viz Media in print and digital. Go to bit.ly Yakuza Lover Podcast to read a free preview. Since it is a mature rated title, you'll need to sign in with or sign up for a Viz Media account to read this preview. <laughs> uh, that's that's what you get when you sponsor manga planning contact us today at manga at gmail.com for your sponsorship options <laughs> all right guys that was great david you want to close us out yeah that was really funny <laughs> <laughs>
Ethically, can you say that was really funny? <laughs> yes, because I'm talking about you all and not the book. Okay, okay great. Okay. See, I really put some thought into this. Uh, Does anyone have any shout outs to close out the show? Yakuza lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one thing I wanted to mention that I totally forgot is, but uh, the way that she draws his hair is so cool where he's got this like chin length like side part or like sort of a thing going on and then it's solid black but she does white lines on top of it it is it gives him such a like amazing slick air there's like this page there's page 14 here where he's like looking at her for the first time is like such a beautiful drawing of like a hot by shonen dude and uh or beautiful boy character in manga and yeah i think her drawing is like awesome i meant to mention that in the review but i didn't maybe i'll throw it in the show notes but uh, yeah the way she draws hair is just the best anyway. it looks like really clean bouncy nice smelling hair mm-hmm. like that su- like yeah. that shiseido tsubaki shampoo that smells really good like mm. i can just smell it <laughs> here let's send this as bonus content for you, just to make it, take it out of context yeah. His hair looks so good, I could smell it through the manga. That's what they want on Facebook. <laughs> That's not a whole quote for volume two. <laughs> it'll be it'll be in the Wikipedia page for this book. Just Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't really have shout-outs this week. Chris's was pretty good. My shout-outs, I guess, are anxiety and figuring out moral codes. I don't know. But today we talked about Yona of the Dawn by Mizuho Kusanagi. We it was a really good conversation. I had a lot of fun today, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's great. so much for suggesting it. It was so unlike anything we had done to this point. That's what I love about mm-hmm. the podcast is we get to keep reading tons of stuff. For sure. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week. Chris, you know what we're talking about next week? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bride Story, actually. It's the first of the next uh, three books. Uh, Kawamori, Bride Story, which is very exciting. I've been Ooh. meaning to read this for a long time. So thanks for choosing it, Deb. This has been Manga Explaining Episode 19. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga A Bride Story by Kaoru Mori. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.